You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. starting a whole new series today. Today is actually Advent. And, uh, you know, for years and years, whenever I heard the word Advent, I thought, oh, yeah, it means you can buy those little things and you pop out the, the candy once a day. And that's what Advent was for me. I'm like, yeah, great. Until Pastor Simo says, um, so, yeah, like at Sunday is Advent. And I'm like, that's exciting. And then he told me what it meant. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's actually pretty good. Um, so Advent is actually... Uh, not just those chocolate calendars that you buy, even though that, I love chocolate. Um, it's the season of expectation. Yeah, right? That, that t- puts a different spin on it, doesn't it? It's uh, because it's the season, the season where we are uh, anticipating and celebrating and preparing f- for us to you know, celebrate Christ's birth. So I think that there's, there is something that's changing in the spirit. I think that God is doing something. Uh, and I think that we, you know, if uh, we just got to let our level of expectancy rise, you know, just let, let the level of expectancy, you know, because you kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah, it's Christmas. We're going to talk, we're probably going to talk about Jesus for a while. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, we're going to have a couple of Christmas services. Yes. Pastor Darren's probably going to try and keep as many carols out of the service as possible. Yes. Uh, that's, uh, I'm just not a fan. I, I still can't get into it. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, hark the herald angels sing. It doesn't float my boat. Uh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, anyway, but uh, so today we, uh, we're starting a new series uh, that's called Unexpected. And we're going to talk about Jesus and who Jesus is. And uh, today we're going to talk about Jesus as the unexpected king. So that's what we're going to do today. It's just good to pause, isn't it, right? Just good to kind of go, hit the pause button for a minute. That's right, it's about Jesus. You know, the world makes it about whatever the world makes it, year after year, money, spending, the best presents, you know, the latest tech, you know, the the better present than you had last year. You know, getting what you want, a thoughtful present that someone should have thought more about what they're giving to you, you know, like, gosh. Um, But it's just good to go, all right, take a pause for a minute. It's actually about Jesus. So we're going to look at a different element, a different side, a different facet of Jesus over the next few weeks. Um, Because some things are just way better than you expect them to be, right? Like, like Susan Boyle, right? Now, now I wasn't, I wasn't, I'm not judging her. Maybe I did. Okay, 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 I did, I did. I totally judged her. When she walked onto that stage, was it Americans Got Talent? Britain's Got Talent? Britain's Got Talent? Yeah, it would have been Britain's Got Talent. She lives in Sheffield or something. Anyway, and so she walks onto the stage and Simon, what's his name? Cal. He's just, he's like, all right, all right. And then she belts out this number and you just go, and, you, and, and I love how they, 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 like the, the cameras are panning across the, um, across the screen and, you know, and watching all the people's mouths just drop open as she starts to sing. And you go, I, I, I'd buy her album. Yeah, okay, right. You know, like this, this, like some things are way better than you expect. That's a bit like Jesus. 
Some things are way better than you expect. You meet Jesus and you go, oh yeah, it's pretty awesome, it's pretty good. And then you start to discover everything that he has for you. And you go, whoa, I didn't realise I was signing up to all this. You know, uh, the story is told of Alexander the Great and he was, uh, he was coming back home uh, from a, a battle that had this huge victory and he was coming back home and they were travelling, you know, in all their caravans and horses. Um, and, the, and his caravan came upon a beggar on the, on, the, on the roadside. And the beggar, you know, the courtier, you know, because King Alexander doesn't deal with people. <laughs> he lets all these courtiers deal with them. So the courtier sends the beggar away. No, 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 go away, go away. And King Alexander says to the courtier, um, what does he want? What's the poor man want? And the courtier says he wants a copper coin. So after looking at the man, King Alexander returns to his carriage to grab a bag of coins. He returns to the beggar and he gives the beggar a bag of gold coins. And the courtier was surprised by the gift. And the courtier says, sir, a, a copper coin would have adequately met the beggar's need. And desire. So why give him gold? And Alexander responds, just like a king would, and he says, a copper coin would suit the beggar's need, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. And it's like, wow, I, I didn't need all of this, Jesus. All you had to do was a fraction of that, but you gave me so much more. Some things are far better than what you expect. And we find that this is so true of Jesus. So today, let's talk about Jesus, the unexpected king. I mean, no one expected a baby to be born and announced that this was the king, all right? Especially not King Herod, okay? We're going to read from Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to read a nice chunk of Scripture. Who loves it when Scripture is read out in service? I do. I love it. Right, so I'm going to read 12 verses. I might be setting a new record today for myself. I don't know. 12 verses. Here we go. Matthew chapter 2. It's going to be on screen as well. Thank you so much, Vicky. All right. Matthew 2 verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, that's what it's called, Magi. It's not Magi. It's not, they're not noodles. All right. These are Magi, right? That's how you pronounce it. I looked into it. From the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. Now, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all, all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Liar. Anyway, <laughs> verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. 
Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Wow, that's cool. Cool story, hey. Like, that's, that's, that's powerful. So Jesus, we're going to kind of do some, some fairly broad strokes. I know we're talking about uh, Jesus in, in relation to Christmas and his birth, but we're going to kind of do some fairly broad strokes over his life today as well. Because Jesus is many things. He's, he's Saviour. He's Lord. He's Friend. He's Redeemer. He's fully God, and yet He's fully man. He is the Messiah. And there's a lot of things that people have spoken out about Jesus that He's not. But one thing that He is, is King. Uh, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, no, it's okay. God's in control. God's in control. God's in control. Um, but God's not in control of me if I don't want him to be. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's better theology to say God's in charge. You know, that's not mine. That's Pastor Stephen Furtick. Okay, I'll admit it. But, but I, when I heard that, I thought that's a really great clarification. Because God gives us free will. And you look over the world and it doesn't look like he's in control. Now, yes, he's in control of the future. He's, I believe he's steering the world to go to a place. He's, he, the world is going to end up where God wants it. But to say God is in control of every minute detail, that's not, that's not really that accurate. But he is in charge because Jesus is king. All right, Jesus is king. You know, and we find this because we're not just invited into a family. We're not just invited into a church. We're not just invited into a marriage. We're not just invited, you know, into relationship with God. We're actually invited to be a part of this thing we call the kingdom of God, right? And, and, there's, and there's two kingdoms that are functioning at any one time. There's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of darkness, right? And they're always, they're always functioning. And, and, and this kingdom that we're in, it has a king, Right? who lives and he reigns and he empowers his people to advance his kingdom and to bring the message. But not just the message of the king, it's also the heart of the king. It's also the power of the king. It's also the presence of the king into the world. So when we say, you know, yeah, we're here to advance the kingdom of God, that's what we're talking about. You know, I'm not just, I'm not just here to talk about Jesus to somebody. I'm actually here to bring the kingdom into someone else's world. I'm here to carry the king's presence, to carry the king's message, to carry the king's heart into the world. Because this is not just a, you know, you didn't sign up to a club. You became a part of a kingdom with a king. So when Jesus was born, right, the word became flesh, okay? God became Flesh and dwelt amongst us, and some some incredible things happened uh, upon his birth. And one of those things was that this big star appears in the sky, and these and these guys, these magi, they notice this star, and they're like, they're like, what on earth is this thing? How come it's here? We must find out about it. Now I've done some research about these guys. Right? They are from the Persian priestly caste of Zoroastrianism. There you go, write that one down. Zoroastrianism, right? 
And as part of their religion, these priests would just pay particular attention all the time to the stars, right? They had an international reputation for astrology. These guys know what's going on, right? In the sky, anyway. They have a clue about the sky. That's probably about it. But at, at the time, this, what they were involved in was highly regarded as a science. So they noticed that this special star had appeared. And somehow they knew that it signified that a king was born. So in their, in their understanding of how it works, when a special star appears, it's because a king has been born. So I guess they deduced that because this special star had appeared over Israel, that there must have been a new king, king of the Jews. So they come to King Herod. I mean, not just that the star had appeared was important, but the fact that the star is moving, that's important. Like I'd be like, hey, there's a cool star, no worries. Oh, a king must have been born. Uh, guys, <laughs> guys, it's moving. Right, we've got to go. Let's, let's find out where it's heading, right? So Jesus, Jesus is in his infancy when these three, okay, it wasn't three, okay. Well, let's, just, let's just nail that one right now. It wasn't necessarily three. It could have been 12. It could have been 100. But they only bought three gifts. That's why we only have them as three, okay? So I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm going to wreck your nativity scene right now. Um, your perfect little nativity scene is just, it just went out the window because they also didn't turn up when Jesus was born. All right. So, uh, the, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Um, so Jesus was probably between three months old to two years old when the three, the 12 Zoroastrianism priests, wise men arrived. Right. Uh, and so they, they visit Joseph and Mary and Jesus and they worship him. And they bring gifts and the gifts are significant in themselves. Okay, Gold for a king. Jesus is king. Okay, frankincense, incense burned to, to honour, to worship, because Jesus is God. And myrrh, which is an embalming oil, because Jesus' death is going to be significant. Right? Jesus is Messiah. He is King, He is God, and He is Messiah. Right? These, they actually made, makes a lot of sense when you think about it now. So, so skip forward 30 years or so, and Jesus is sitting down with a huge crowd. He's, he's delivering this message called, that we call the Sermon on the Mount. His disciples are there. This huge crowd is on the side of, 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 of Galilee. And he says in Matthew 6, verse 33, which uh, Pastor Earl read out earlier, but seek first his kingdom, his kingdom, his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. So the word for kingdom there, right? I, 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 I've been blown away by this word for so many years because it actually means the rule and the authority of the king, the domain of the king. And so Jesus is saying, seek first the rule and the, and the, and the authority and the domain of the king in your life. A couple of years later, Jesus would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. And people were blown away, not by the donkey, but by Jesus. And they, would, they, they, they laid their, clo their cloaks, their cloaks, they laid their cloaks down. They ripped, you know, 
branches off palm trees and put the branches on the ground to honour Jesus on this donkey walk, like as he comes into Jerusalem. He enters as a king. Jesus is king. A few years later, Jesus would be crucified and the soldiers would mock Jesus and they would put a crown of thorns on his head and press it into his skull. And they would, they would write a sign and they would put the sign on the cross and it says, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. They got it half right. This is Jesus, the King of all. You know? Jesus the King had come to earth to bring about a whole new way to establish a kingdom, to bring a new way, a new covenant of dealing with God, to start something that was going to wrap us up in it, give us purpose and life and relationship with God through Him. But you know what? It just so wasn't what people expected. You know, this is the unexpected king, you know. So, so many people throughout the centuries have had these misplaced expectations of Jesus, you know? Misplaced expectations. I mean, what kind of king were you expecting? You know? What kind of king do you expect God to be, Jesus to be in your life? You know? So I think maybe we've got a, maybe I've got a few misplaced expectations as well. I mean, King Herod, back in Matthew 2, well, he kind of wasn't expecting a king's birth announcement. You know, he's sitting on his throne, you know, someone's draping grapes into his mouth. You know, and, uh, and the Magi turn up and they're like, hey, uh, so where's the, where's the birth of the king? And he's like, huh, sorry, what? There's, a, there's, a, there's, a bit, there's been a birth of a, of a king. Yeah, that's impossible because I'm the king, right? And my wives, I don't know how many wives he had. He probably had a whole bunch. He's like, hey, have any of my wives had babies? No, no, you guys are wrong. No, there's definitely been a king. We saw the star. <laughs> oh, great. So he's like, so King Herod's like, hey, guys, guys, come here. Um, so where's the Messiah going to be born? And they're like, well, he's going to be born in Bethlehem because this is what it says in Micah chapter 5. You know, I'm not sure they had chapters and verses then, but, um, you know, the chief priests and teachers of the law were like, well, in Micah chapter 5, this is what it says, right? And so it's going to be in Bethlehem. And so King Herod's like, okay, uh, Magi, let's, uh, you guys head over to Bethlehem. Let me know how it goes, right? He wasn't expecting, you know, I have to say this because every single time I run through this, I always think of Monty Python. No one expects a Spanish Inquisition. All right. So now that I've said it, I don't have to think about it anymore. Good. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just had to get that one out. Good. Right. He wasn't expecting Jesus to be born, nor was he expecting the Spanish Inquisition at the time. But, but over the centuries, a lot of people have found it really hard to accept that the Messiah, the Savior, that God would, would turn up on earth like this. A lot of, you, you talk to people about Christ and, and some people, I've had the conversations, they'll say to me, I just can't believe that God would turn up like that. Like it was a scandal when they discovered that Mary was pregnant, you know? And then they, Bethlehem? Really? 
Bethlehem. Like, are you, are you serious? Bethlehem, it's like the back blocks of nowhere, right? And, you know, and then he's going to be born in a cave and his first cradle is going to be a sheep's trough. You know, we made it all sound nice by saying, oh, born in a manger, blah, blah, blah. It was a cave and a sheep's trough. And that's what they had. So I get that some people struggle, that God decided to turn up on earth like this. But you know what I, I just, you know what I think? I think God just loves to, just to show off. I think God loves to, to just prove that he can do it however he likes. And, uh, you know, well, I just blew that box out of your, you know. You know, we try and keep God, you know, comfortably in our little box. And God just goes, well, I don't have to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. And it's going to be 10 times better than what you thought, right? Okay, but this is, this is God's perfect plan. This is how he wanted it. His perfect timing. At just the right time, Christ appeared. It was, it was perfect. It was exactly what God wanted. All right? Now, skip forward another 33 years. Another guy who's completely misunderstood the expectations of Jesus is this guy called Judas, right? Now, it's called the good motive theory. And it's got some serious merit. Let me just, let me sit in this for a minute. And you're like, why are we talking about Judas at Christmas? Because so many people misunderstand who Jesus was and what Jesus came to do, including some of those who were with him in person for three years, right? And Judas, right? So one th- this is a theory, okay? It comes with some pretty interesting wrong expectations of who Jesus was, right? So the theory goes, and I, I, the more I read about this, I'm like, that's so true. Anyway, the theory goes that, he, that Judas expected Jesus to lead the Jews to victory over the Roman occupi- occupation of Jerusalem. Thus, doing what Jesus said he was going to do, which is restore the kingdom to Israel. Right? And you can see, and if you, if you look through, the, through the, uh, the Gospels, you can see these parts where the disciples are thinking he means a physical kingdom. Right? So Judas perceived Jesus to be a little bit slow in acting out his plan. You know, Jesus is a bit hesitant. Jesus is a bit timid. So Judas is like, I think one might give him a little push. You know, I might, if I force Jesus's hand, then he's got to call down heaven and earth. He's got to get his angels and everyone else and we'll have a massive uh, uprising and the revolution will begin and Israel will return. You know, I'm sure that's what Judas was thinking. Or maybe that's the theory, right? It's supported by Acts chapter 1, verse 6, when it says, this is after Jesus has died. This is after Jesus has returned from the dead. And the disciples still aren't getting it because this is what they said. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still not getting it. That's when Jesus says, no, no, no. You you will carry my presence. You will be my witnesses right here, Judea, Samaria, until the ends of the earth. You will carry my presence, right? 
Jesus was overthrowing a kingdom, but it wasn't the kingdom of Rome. It was the kingdom of darkness, right? He was restoring the kingdom to Israel, but it wasn't a physical kingdom. It was a spiritual kingdom, all right? Fast forward, sorry, go back to his death. Fast forward in the opposite direction, <laughs> 50 days or so, right? And the, the, the disciples didn't expect that Jesus' death was going to be the way that he overcame. Yeah. Hang on a minute. Je Jesus, we know you were talking about you're going to die, and we thought you were speaking figuratively. We didn't think you actually meant you were going to die. And, and so the, the disciples are in this upper room, and they're freaking out. You know? Jesus is dead. What? what? What are we going to do? He's gone. They didn't realize Jesus is just preparing his comeback. Spiritual seekers throughout the ages have struggled with this concept of God dying to save his own created humankind. Like, I, and I get that. And you can understand why people struggle with that until you understand his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But God so loved the world. It's God's love that brought Jesus to earth, the unexpected king. So it, you take God's love and his grace and his compassion into account and now you have a much clearer picture of why he did what he did. And Jesus has an even more unexpected nature than what we think. The chief priests, back to Matthew 2, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they report to Herod this passage and it says this. It's directly out of Micah 5 and it says, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Who will shepherd, a ruler who will shepherd. I don't know about you, but I, I, uh, I don't think about kings in terms of being shepherds at the same time. You know, you look through, even if you look through the Bible or you look throughout history, and the, and the kings are either completely self-indulgent or they are militaristic and we're, gonna, we're just going to kill everybody. We're going to have the biggest empire ever. Or they are just psychos, like these complete psychos who do things in the, throughout the annals of history and you read about them and you go, surely somebody made that one up. Like that guy, whoa, glad I wasn't around when he was king, Right. You don't expect the ruler to come and be and become the good shepherd. You don't expect the ruler to care, to love, to have compassion on us. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd because he looks, he loves, he cares for, he guides, and he looks after the sheep. Jesus is like a, he's a king that, who is like no one else. He's compassionate to you. He's kind. I love when Pastor Keith 
couple of uh, years ago, he brought out that, that verse that says, his kindness leads us to repentance. Because it was like, whoa. That was like, that blew my head off. Yeah, you're right. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Jesus is a kind, compassionate, gracious king. And he's filled with unfailing love for you. Psalm 145 verse 8 says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. What kind of king were you expecting? Because the, the kind of king, when I came to Jesus, the kind of king that I was expecting was the opposite of slow to anger and rich in love. For me, I thought he was going to be slow to love and rich in anger. I really did. That was how I lived my faith for so many years. God, well, yep, yep, he's, he's, just, he's just waiting. I just thought God's just waiting to just clip me over the ears. God's just waiting to have stern words with me. That was my, that was my understanding of how it worked. But no, 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 hang on a minute. He is, he's, he's slow to anger, right? He's rich in love. What we received is a king filled with grace, you know? And that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. A bit like um, this other guy, King David, and this, this guy called Mephibosheth. I'm only going to say his name once. Um, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 9, we read that Saul and Jonathan had died in a battle. Okay, Saul and Jonathan, they're dead. And David is now in line for the throne. David's coming to power. He also married one of Saul's daughters. So technically he gets all of Saul's inheritance as well. And David asked the question, is there anyone left in Saul's family that I can show kindness towards? Anyone, not for Saul's sake, I love how he says this, just for Jonathan's sake. Saul wasn't that nice, but I really like Jonathan. I want to be able to celebrate and honour Jonathan's memory. So Jonathan's son is found. A lame boy maybe young man called Mephibosheth. And so Mephibosheth is brought to David and he's worried right now. He's really worried. Because when a king takes power, the old king's family generally dies. That was the, that was the way. You come and set up, you, 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 I've defeated the old king. And now, if there's anyone left in the family, see you later. Right? That's how it was. So Mephibosheth gets called from the back blocks of nowhere in a place called Lodabar, which means pastureless, which means the place of nowhere. It means the place of nothingness. Right? And Mephibosheth gets called to Jerusalem, to the palace. 
he's a little worried right now as to what's going to happen with him. And David doesn't want to kill him. David wants to honour him. David wants to bless him. And in 2 Samuel 9 verse 7, David says, Don't be afraid. David said to him, For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather's soil, and you will always eat at my table. And that's what he did. Mephibosheth had nothing to offer David because he was lame. His feet didn't work. But David was going to cover over his inability, his lameness with his grace. So Mephibosheth moves, he gets moved to Jerusalem. He gets moved to live in the palace. And he he spends the rest of his days eating at David's table. And see this David and Mephibosheth story, see I'm saying it so so clearly now, just, just rolls off the tongue, Mephibosheth. This story is like you and Jesus. You, you were from the back blocks of nowhere. You, have, you had nothing to offer God. All our righteousness was as filthy rags because we, we had nothing. We had sin. We had sin and that is all we could offer God. Right? And we deserve, we deserve death. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God eternal life through Christ Jesus right so as David treats Mephibosheth so Christ treats us he covers over our problems he covers over our, our sickness he covers over our inabilities he covers over because he is king and he gets to decide whether he's gracious or not he gets to decide if he gives you a copper coin or a bag of gold I'm so grateful that that Jesus is the kind of king who gives bags of gold, not single copper coins. It's all because he is kind. It's all because he is gracious. It's all because he is compassionate towards you. We, we, We didn't deserve it. Nothing that I could have done could have purchased my salvation. But because of who Christ is, we have life. We have forgiveness of sin. We have relationship with God. We have purpose in our lives. We are, we are placed in family. Give it hope. And no situation that we face do we ever face it alone again. Let's pray. God, we just bless you. Any, uh, any misplaced expectations that we have of you, God, would you just bring truth to life right now, in Jesus' name. Would you bring truth to those, to any lies that we're still holding on to about what life is meant to look like with you, God, and would you bring truth by your Spirit.
freedom, joy, and intimacy with you, God. Because of who you are, Jesus, we have life. And we bless your name. We thank you, Jesus. We honor you. We are blessed far more than we know. Far more than we understand. from your sin and asking that He would become your Lord, your Saviour and your friend. So if you've never done that or if you did that once and you have walked away from God, I want to pray with you right now. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you to the front. But if you, if that's you, just stick up your hand. Give me a bit of a wave right now. I just want to, I want to invite Jesus. Thank you. I want to invite Jesus into my life again or into my life for the first time. If that's you, if anyone else, just give me a wave. Just say, hey, that's me, that's me. Awesome, awesome. Can I pray with you right now? Is that okay? Pray with you right now? You can stay there if you want to. It's cool. You're going to come to me. Here's a lady who knows how it's done. <laughs> Awesome. What's your name? Barbara. Let's pray. Hey. I just thank you for Barbara right now. I just ask for your grace, your presence to come upon Barbara, just, uh, just repeat this after me.
Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.